Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. It's good to see you online. I can't see you, you can see me, but it's still good to see you anyways. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord faithful? How many are ready for a move of God in 2021? Come on now, let's raise a hand, let's give the Lord praise. In every season, everybody say, in every season, in every season, that's what it says about the tree planted by the streams of living water. It bears fruit in every season. God will grow you in every season. I just want to say good morning. It's so good to be with you. Lowell Assembly of God is my home church, if you don't know that. So this is uh, my home church. My wife and I uh, attend here. Uh, we've been here three years, three, three, four years. It's wonderful. So welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is David Munley. I'm a member here, and I'm also uh, the Dean of Enrollment at North Point Bible College. And in just a few days, this Wednesday, we're going to be starting another semester, our spring semester. In New England, the spring semester is colder than the fall semester. Uh, winter stays a long time, uh, but we like it colder, so we don't, it doesn't bother us. So uh, but uh, if you ever feel like uh, the hand of God is on your life to, uh, to be a minister and want to respond to the call of God, North Point Bible College is a wonderful school uh, that will help you uh, get moving in that direction. This morning, I have the wonderful opportunity to open up the scripture with you uh, and speak about Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you have your iPad or whatever your Bible is on, if you want to go there right now, in our, in, uh, our church here, we, we use the ESV uh, version of the Bible. That's the one Jesus used, so that's the one we're using. That's a joke, just the, <laughs> that's a joke. I said that in one church. I said, we're using, we're using, I'm reading from the NIV because this is the one that Jesus used. And somebody took me seriously on that. And, and uh, I, said, I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm only kidding. So, but no, we use the ESV version. Before uh, we get started, let's hit the next slide. Um, just to introduce myself uh, to you, that is my family. I love those guys. Uh, this is this past summer. Uh, during the pandemic, we had two weddings in the backyard. That's about as far as we could go. So uh, we, uh, we went in the, this, is, uh, this was a, a wedding this summer. My daughter, Michaela and Tyler in the middle. Uh, Stephen and Hannah, how many remember Steve-O, huh? Steve-O. And uh, that's, uh, and, and your, yours truly is next to, next to them. And then my wife, uh, Jennifer, my bride for the last 27 years and counting. So that's, that's us. And, uh, and then my daughter, Rebecca, and her husband, Aaron, on the far right-hand side. Rebecca and Aaron are going to have a baby this May. And I can't tell you how excited uh, we all are about that. Uh, when I found out, man, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So they said, what, what are we, we going to call you? I said, you're going to call me Nono. So that's, uh, Nono is Italian uh, for grandfather. So I'm half Italian, half Irish. My grandfather, uh, my mom's mom, we called him Nono. I always thought it was the funniest name in the world. Uh, Nono. And the Irish side of my family, they would call my grandparents Nono and Yes Yes. So they, uh, they teased them about that. It was cute. Actually, I found out later, uh, a lot of the Irish part of the town, they, they called them Nono and Yes Yes as well. 
So that's just a, a little bit uh, about us. Uh, I'm thrilled uh, to be speaking on Exodus chapter 2, Exodus uh, chapter 3. You know, this, when, when you look at the development of, of Moses, this is 80 years. In these two chapters, we're covering 80 years. So I'm doing 80 years in like a half an hour. That is no easy task. I just want to let you know. 80 years of Moses' life in two chapters. 80 years. When he gets to year 80, he's just getting started. I feel like at times in my life, I'm just getting started. My dad would call me, how, how you doing? What does it feel like? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and, I, and I'm finally figuring some things out. You know, I'm finally getting it all together. And if you're in your 20s and you know everything, God bless you. Uh, you'll learn, you'll unlearn, and then you learn again, and you realize how much you don't know in your 20s. Uh, but here we are. We're, we're here. Moses is 80 years, 80 years old, and he, at, at year 80 is when, when God meets him at the burning bush and compels him uh, to be the emancipator for the Hebrew children. Year 80. Moses lived to be 120 years old. So two-thirds of his life uh, is, was spent in preparation for the execution of what God would want him to do. How many are ready to sign up for that, huh? You ready? Two-thirds preparation, one-third execution. That's how God works. How many know that God is old? How many know that? You know, God's old, right? Uh, I imagine God, uh, you know, big, long, white beard. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but... but, uh, but he's a loving father. He's, he created time. You know, time is created. He created time in the beginning. He was already there. He created the heavens, the earth. He created everything that we see. And, uh, and, and here it is. Uh, God always develops people with the long game in mind. There are no shortcuts uh, in the kingdom of God. No shortcuts. You can't take shortcuts. God is old. And he wants to process and develop you the right way, uh, in the right time, and in the right manner. And when you're ready, your assignment will be given uh, to you. God is always developing you. There's never been a time in your life where God has not been developing you. He's always developing you. He's always shaping you. And what he does is he uses people, events, and life circumstances in your life to shape you and develop you to get the best out of you, the most out of you. The God who created you is developing you for his purposes. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? God is a great developer of people. And if you don't give up, if you don't throw in the towel, if you stay with him uh, through all the curves and through all the straight ways and through all the acts of life, if you stay with him and don't give up on yourself, you too will have moments like Moses where you're standing before God and, and he's telling you, now this is what you're supposed to do. Now walk ye in it. There's never been a time where God hasn't been developing you. And in Exodus chapter 2 and 3, 
we see God developing Moses in Egypt. We see him developing him uh, in Midian. We see him uh, working and orchestrating events in his life that Moses could never have orchestrated on his own, but God sovereignly worked these things out in his life. How many know we're all born somewhere, we're all born to someone, and in the early stages of our life, we really don't get to choose anything. We, didn't, we don't choose our parents, we don't choose the country we're born in, we don't choose the state we're born in, we don't choose any of those things. We have no choice whatsoever. If you were the youngest and, and your mom and dad came to you and said, uh, we have good news for you, you're having a brother. We didn't want, that's bad news. You wanted to be the youngest. You, you have no choice over many things. Those God sovereignly, sovereignly leads you and sovereignly prepares things ahead of time for you to develop you to get the most out of your life because he's put purpose in your life. He's sovereignly leading you and developing you and shaping your life so that you will have a great kingdom impact. That's how God does it. And he takes a long time. He, it, he shapes leaders over a lifetime, over a lifetime. In the early part, it's sovereign, it's out of your hands, but as uh, you respond to the call and the move of God, you'll see every area he'll use in your life, key events, key people, and key circumstances to shape your life. So let's get started in Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 14 verses, and then, uh, and then we'll read uh, Exodus 3, the first 14 verses uh, as well. 80 years, two chapters. How many are ready? Let's do it. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife uh, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took, him, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with uh, uh, butmen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds uh, by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance, that's Miriam, stood at a distance to know uh, what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said, Go to Pharaoh's daughter. Shall I, uh, shall I go and call you a nurse uh, from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take care of the child. Uh, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. One day when Moses had grown up, this is, he's 40 now. He's, in verse 11, he's 40 years old. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to the people, looked on their burdens, uh, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, 
And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling uh, together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you the prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. God is developing Moses in two cultures. He de he's developing Moses in the Egyptian culture, and he's developing him in the Hebrew uh, culture. Uh, he, is the, he will be the perfect person to come and to emancipate God's people, to tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. But it all starts here in chapter 2. And actually, the last verse of Exodus chapter 1 reads like this. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son, every son, that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Listen, the Moses' parents got this same edict the same way every other parent got this edict. It's, it's a death verdict. It's, it's a death sentence uh, to male children. But Moses' parents said, not my child. They said, not my child. It, we're, we're, we're not doing this. We're, we're not doing this. They hid the child for three months. The law of the day said, kill every Hebrew baby, every Hebrew male baby. And they said, no, we're not killing. I love that. I love that resolve with their parents. The, uh, the, the Egypt, uh, it, the Pharaoh said, kill them. And they said, we're not killing them. I love this resolve in the parents. Listen, there are laws in this land that say abortion is okay. It's no big deal. It's a fetus. It's a, it's a glob of cells. Listen, when, when, when one person uh, walks, into, uh, walks into the abortion clinic, they're pregnant. When they walk out, they're not pregnant. And what I'm telling you is it's murder. It's absolute murder. The devil has always been trying to kill babies. He wants to kill babies. He's done it here. When Jesus was born, uh, when Jesus was born, Herod uh, ordered an edict that all babies two years and under would be killed. This is what the enemy does. He kills, steals, and destroys. What I'm telling you today is this. I'm glad that I had godly parents that said, not my child. I'm glad for these godly parents here in, in the book of Exodus chapter 2 that says, not my child. I am glad for this resolve that people would say, not here, not now, not in my family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to do this. It doesn't matter if it's okay or not by the law. We are not going this way. We are going to live by the law of God, and we are going to celebrate life in this family. That's what they did, and because of that, God did wonderful, wonderful things. They did not want their child and put their child in and just uh, and, and kill their child because the Pharaoh said so. Let me tell you, this is, this is the resolve that we also see in Moses' life. Moses has a resolve, and, and, and uh, he has a sternness about him, and a resoluteness about him. I'm glad that his parents said, not 
my child, not my boy. This is not going to happen in my house. I'm glad for that this morning. Now the man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, uh, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Here she is. Uh, she's, she's defying the law of the day. Uh, I'm sure it was a death sentence for her as well to do these things. But they said, not this house. So they hid the child for as long as they could possibly hide the child. And then by faith, they took the child and uh, they put the child uh, in the Nile so that, uh, so that it, it, the child would have a chance. No ordinary child. They took the child, put it in the Nile so the child would actually have a chance. And, and look how we see uh, in these Egyptian years. I want you to see uh, Miriam's intervention. Moses' sister. Now Moses' sister heard that, uh, that, he, that he was no ordinary child. Moses' sister uh, heard this from the parents. And here she is. She's watching the basket. Mom pushes the basket down the Nile River, and Miriam is watching the basket, watching the basket float, watching the basket go. She's watching the basket, and she's watching from afar and watching from a distance and watching uh, her brother uh, to make sure to see if she can intervene and help and, uh, and, and make sure things actually happen okay. The basket uh, goes to Pharaoh's daughter. She wants to keep it. And, uh, and there's a moment uh, where Miriam stands up and, and says, you know, I know somebody who can help with this. I know somebody who, who, can, who can do this and take care of the child. Miriam is an encourager here. Here she is. She's hearing about her brother who is, uh, by, all, by all means, according to the parents, this son is no ordinary child. And instead of, uh, I mean, uh, instead of pushing the basket in the water underwater uh, to get at this no ordinary child, we see her celebrating her brother. We see her encouraging her brother. We see her uh, wanting to see her brother have success and get to where uh, he could actually have a chance and live. Isn't that a wonderful thing to see? Guess what? There's no book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There are none of those things. If Miriam doesn't come alongside, help and encourage and walk alongside and intervene and help out her brother. When was the last time you heard a sermon on Miriam? I've never heard a sermon on Miriam. I just, I just haven't, I haven't heard it. She watches the basket. And this is what the Bible says about, about, about us being the body of Christ. We, we are the body of Christ. We, we, are, we are arms, we're legs, we're eyes, we're feet, we're hands. And, 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 and the Bible says that, uh, that the parts that are seen are actually uh, not as important as the parts that are not seen. The parts that you don't see are more important than the parts uh, that you do see. To put something on today uh, re regarding Lowell Assembly of God uh, Church, uh, there are more people behind the scenes working than the people that you see act, uh, that you see up here on the stage. There's more uh, there's more uh, working there than, than than up here. The parts that are unseen. Miriam was an encourager. Miriam was there to help her brother. Miriam uh, was was there uh, to make sure that her brother had a chance and she took this initiative as her own we don't get to Exodus chapter 2 without 
Miriam, without the story of Miriam. There's no Moses uh, without Miriam. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul used to be, uh, when he was Saul, he was a persecutor of the church. How many know what I'm talking about? He persecuted the church. He had an edict saying that he could actually persecute the church. Well, uh, well Jesus showed up on the Damascus Road uh, where Saul was heading, and Saul wasn't even looking for Jesus. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe in this God. He didn't believe in any of those things. God showed up on that road and called Saul and prepared and did things sovereignly in his life and intervened in his life and now he got saved filled with the holy spirit and he is ready to rumble and to help out the church he goes back to the church and guess what the church doesn't want to see him the church doesn't trust that this guy who used to kill christians now is a christian and now uh, he is he's one of us and they don't believe it but one person believed and his name is barnabas Barnabas, his name means uh, he's a son of encouragement. Barnabas said, I trust him, I take him, I'll, I'll take him in, I'll work with him. And because of Barnabas, we have uh, pretty much half of the New Testament books written. Because of Barnas, Barnabas, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was, was sent out to the Gentiles. Because of Barnabas, one person believed and stood up for another person. Because that one person uh, believed, uh, we have uh, the New Testament testament church as we see it now because of barnabas all the credit that the apostle paul gets in the new testament uh, let me tell you i go back to barnabas that person believing in somebody else let me tell you dads if you're if you're here and if you're online listen dads dads as heads of your house the greatest gift that you can give for your children is that you can believe in them Listen, you've got to be the greatest cheerleader for your kids. You've got to believe in your kids. You've got to speak life into your kids. Uh, you are to speak life. You're to train a child in the way they should go. Dads, it has to come from the dad. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, my kids, when they were younger in our house uh, growing up, uh, when, they were, when they were younger, you know, it, 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 wasn't, it didn't count and it wasn't real until I said it was. Moms love differently than dads. How many know what I'm talking about? Moms, will, moms, will, mom, how you know? Moms will tell you things, you know. But there's something about the dad saying something in the house. To have that figure say something in the house. Dads, you've got to step up. You've you've got to speak over your children's life and, and believe them. The greatest gift you can give your kids is to believe in them and to stay with them and to work with them uh, until they start uh, going the way that, that they should be going. I'm telling you, it's so important in the family today. This is what Miriam did for her brother. This is what Barnabas did for the Apostle Paul. And I'm telling you today, it is one of the greatest gifts uh, that you can can have uh, in your family and the greatest gift that we can have in this in this church is the gift of encouragement I'm so glad aren't, aren't you glad have you ever had somebody stand up for you uh, when when you didn't deserve it <laughs> anybody say anybody vouch for you when, when you really weren't that worthy to be vouched for and uh, somebody stand up for you I'm telling you there's power in that we don't get to Exodus 2 and 3 without Miriam I'm moving on 
80 years, two chapters. I gotta go. All right, so here it is. One day, Moses had grown up. That's 40 years. One day, Moses grown up. In, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, Moses had grown up. He went uh, to his people and he looked uh, at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And something happened between, between, uh, b- between age 0 to 40. Something happened in Moses' life. I just want to tell you, something happened with him. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11, 23 to 26. It says this, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months. His parents, because they saw the child was beautiful, uh, they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, listen to this, refused to be called the Pharaoh's Uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. My wife sent me a text and said, I said Pharaoh's daughter last, last. so I, I corrected it, honey. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. He considered, listen, the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking Uh, for uh, to the reward he chose rather reproach he chose rather to be identified with the safe somewhere between the basket and age 40 somebody spoke to him somebody reminded him of who he was somebody taught him somebody intervened somebody taught him somebody spoke to him i don't know if it was his mother his father miriam aaron i don't know who it was but over 40 years somewhere in his life he made a decision and he said i'm gonna follow god i'm not gonna be known as the prince of egypt i am a hebrew and i'm gonna follow god I am making a decision to follow God. Somewhere, somehow, he made that decision. And here it is, one day when he had grown up, he made that decision. And it looks like failure, does it not? It looks like failure. Many times uh, when you follow God, it looks like failure. It doesn't make sense. Here, I mean, how does this make any sense? Here, he's a prince, but he goes out, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he does not identify with himself as an Egyptian priest. He identifies himself as a Hebrew. He made a decision to follow God. Made a decision. You and I have to make that same decision in our life. And Moses made that decision. He said, I'm going to follow God. It's going to cost me everything and it did did it not it's going to cost me everything and he and it looked like failure listen folks you make decisions for god uh, it will look like failure you've got to be willing to make decisions that look like failure in front of the world but when when it's all said and done and you stand before god himself it is success it's success here it is. Moses is, is uh, he's the prince. He's next in line to be the most powerful person on the earth. He has all the money he could want. If he wanted wives, he could have wives. I don't know why he want more than one, but anyways, that's that with that. He, he could have anything he wanted. The gold, the silver, the prestige, all the social media followers. That's for you social media people online right now. 
anything he wanted, at any time he wanted, whenever he wanted. That's a successful, powerful person according to the world's standards. But what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole earth and lose his soul? At the end of his life, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, we're going to stand before God and give an account for our decisions. We're going to stand before God and give an account. And I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, you are faithful in this. You've responded to this. And welcome to my rest. That's what I want to hear. What do you want to hear? Let me tell you, the gold that you're going after today is nothing but pavement up in heaven. That's it. You're going to walk on streets of gold. That's pavement. Come on, you've got to have the long game perspective of your life. Look at all of eternity. God develops leaders over a lifetime, over a lifetime. Look at all of eternity. Moses, he saw it all, and he added it all up, and he put it all together, and he figured it out because he had the smartest, wisest people all around him, and he had people teaching him uh, Hebrew and teaching him the languages and teaching him uh, to understand and, 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 in, and involving and, and instilling things in his life. He put it all together, and he said, It comes to nothing! In eternity, it's nothing. Job says, naked I've come into the world, naked I'm leaving. I've got nothing. Listen. Listen, I'm, I'm not against money. I'm not against riches. I'm not against any of those things. But if that's your God, that's your God. At the end of, at the end of eternity, it comes to absolutely Nothing. Moses added it all together, and he said, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to identify with the Hebrews. I'm going to, I'm going to follow hard after God. And he saw all the riches. He saw everything, and he said, it doesn't count, and it doesn't add up, and it doesn't make sense to me. And I'm telling you, the whole world, when they heard the story of Moses, it looks like failure. It looks like failure. That's what it looks like. I'm telling you, many decisions I've made in my life look like failure, but I have followed hard after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It looks like failure. Listen, I was, I was a pastor. I was, uh, I, I was a worship leader. Uh, I was a senior pastor, and I worked business. My, the, the, the business that I worked, uh, I was making six figures, six figures, and I was, I was storing money away, uh, getting ready, because my heart was, I wanted to be a full-time minister. I didn't, want to work, I didn't want to work in the church and work in the world. I wanted to, but I just wasn't there yet yet. So it came, it came to a point where I would be able to go and be able to be a teacher at North Point Bible College. And uh, so here I am. I'm, I'm working this job, and it's a good job, living in Connecticut. I, I loved living in Connecticut. We lived by the shore. We were one mile from the water. It was beautiful. It, it was wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. It didn't own me. It was just a way to get where. Well, all I know is this. There came one day where I received an offer to be full-time teacher. Yeah, how many know teachers don't make a lot of money, right? Full-time teacher. I got an offer so that I could help the next generation of ministers. 
And it's what was in my heart to do. So I wrote a letter of resignation, and I sent it to my boss, and I said, this is, I'm, I'm doing this. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. That's the wrong direction. That's failure. Let me tell you, it looks like failure to the world to follow hard after God, but it's not failure. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. If you're not seeking the kingdom of God first, let me tell you, you're not seeking the kingdom of God at all. It's either first or it isn't. That's all it is. Moses came to a point in his life where he said, I'm going to identify myself with God. I'm going to identify myself with God's people. I'm going to identify myself with God's presence. I'm going to identify myself this way. And he had to make that decision for his life. Nobody could do it for him. You have to make that decision for your life as well. You've got to. You've got to be all in with Jesus. Be all in in your decisions. Moses was, was raised in two cultures, but really he had to choose a culture. And you have to choose. And the Bible says, all throughout the Bible, choose this day who you're going to serve. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. What does it look like? It looks like failure. It looks like failure. You're going to what? You're going to go to church? You're crazy. You're going to, you're going to give money to the church more than $5? Why is it that $5 looks like a lot on Sunday morning, but when you're at Starbucks, it doesn't really get you much? I'm sorry, that was too close to home. I'm sorry, Lord. You're going to what? You're going to give what percent? You're, you're going to give 10% and beyond to God? You're, what? It looks like failure. You're going to live where? You're going to do what? You're going to become what? What? I, I'm just here to tell you, at times, it looks like failure. I remember one, one time we, we just finished, uh, my wife and I, we were living in Springfield, Missouri for about three years, just finished our mat, my master's degree. We moved back to Massachusetts, and we, <laughs> I say we moved, we rented a van, not a van, a truck. We rented a truck. We came back to Massachusetts, and, uh, and we're, we're college kids. We have two kids, college, we're college kids. You got, how many know you got nothing when you're in college? You got nothing. So we had nothing, and I was not going to pay a truck to put my nothing in a truck and bring it 1,600 miles and pay all the mileage for my nothingness to just throw it away because it's worthless. So we get to our spot in Massachusetts, in North Grafton, Massachusetts, and we're moving in, and we've got no couches. we got no furniture. The only thing we have is a kitchen table. We barely have a bed, this, that, and the other, and it looks like failure. We went and visited uh, my, my cousins in Pennsylvania. <laughs> this is so funny. We went and visited uh, my cousins in Pennsylvania. Like, uh, I was preaching at a church there, and uh, uh, my son comes back to me, gleaming, smiling. Dad, look, they have couches. <laughs> they got couches, Dad. They got it all. It looks like failure. He who loves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life will find it. It looks like failure. Brothers and sisters, I, I, I am here at this spot right now, and I'm just telling you, it, it's, you've got to be okay to let your, your life look like a failure. You've got to be okay with that. 
The most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the most important. And where you go and what you say and how you live and how you spend and how, uh, and how you live your life matters. And being all in with Jesus matters. And how you spend your life matters. There's meaning to that. You've got to be all in. Moses was all in. So here he is in Exodus uh, and and. and, uh, and and he had all grown up. At one point, he decided, I'm going to be all in with God. I'm going to be all in. At one point, I'm just encouraging this morning, make, he made a commitment and it cost him. Now, he thought he was doing right. He killed an Egyptian and thought he was doing right. Now, that, that's just a little bit off right there. He thought he, he had a false start in Egypt. So he, the Pharaoh uh, found out about it and he went to Midian. He went to Midian. Now this starts the next 40 years of his life. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert, and then 40 years uh, emancipating uh, uh, the Hebrew people. So 40 years, he's in Midian now. And in, in Midian, uh, we see the same thing. We see, we see something's happening at the well. Something's going on at the well. There's these uh, seven daughters. They're at the well. The shepherds are not treating them very well. And what does Moses do? He intervenes on the scene. He gets to the scene. He intervenes. And, uh, and, and the daughters come home earlier than expected. And Jethro, their father, says, Hey, how'd you get home? Why, why are you back so early? This normally takes a whole lot longer. They tell the story. And, and, and Jethro's like, this guy did what? This guy fought off these shepherds? This guy drew water at the well for you? Why did you not bring him back to the house? <laughs> so in one day, look at one afternoon, he had a great afternoon, Moses did. In one afternoon, he had dinner, he got a wife, and he got a job. One afternoon, that's not bad. What? That's not bad. You can clap right there, that's good. One afternoon, he intervened. The things that God put on the inside of him, uh, he tried to intervene in Egypt. That wasn't good. He intervenes here, and, and, and it, what does he do? He lands. He's got a father-in-law. Zipporah is now his wife. He's having a baby. He's got a job. And guess what? He's not the prince of Egypt. He is a shepherd learning the land that's there. He's a shepherd learning how to find water. He's a shepherd learning how to protect a flock. He's a shepherd learning how to find food. He's a shepherd going about the lands and learning how to lead sheep through the wilderness. Why? Because for 40 years he will be leading people through a wilderness. Not sheep, people. God's developing him on the backside of a desert somewhere so that he can be used to lead people and be effective in the latter part of his life. He had a false start. Aren't you glad that God hasn't given up on your false starts. Come on. You, you, you feel God on the inside. You got to do something. You got to say something. You got to get started. You got to get, and, it, and, it, and it, just, it just unravels before your eyes. I'm so glad God hasn't given up on me. And God has not given up on you. Listen, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. God, there are no dead ends in Jesus. Listen, I'm going to say that again so that everybody in the back can hear me. There are no dead ends in Jesus. There are no dead ends in Jesus. There are no dead ends in Jesus. God does not give up on you. He's the greatest encourager out there. He says, come to me. 
He calls you by name. He knows you. He built you. He knows everything about you. And he says, don't quit. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. I've got more for you to do. Study the disciples. They were a ragtag bunch of people. I mean, they were, I mean, uh, James and John, they, they were wonderful. They're, they're called the sons of thunder. Uh, that, yeah. Nicknames are for real, sons of thunder. They're not the quietest and most meek. You know, at one point, they, they were in Samaria, and, 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 uh, and, and they didn't like the Samaritans, so they told Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? The Bible says this. Jesus rebuked them and said, let's go. We're going to another town. Rebuked them and kept them with them. Encouraging. No matter success or failure, there's always something more God wants you to do. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself. And don't be so afraid to look like a failure in the sight of the world. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to do that. The Midian years, it started, Moses, the Midian years, Moses intervened. It's, it's, it's in the desert years where Moses' themes start to come out. The themes of justice, right and wrong. Moses is an intervener. He has, a, he has a, a sense of what's right and wrong. He wants to defend the defenseless. Those things are inside of him. And he had a great afternoon. Look, look to your friends and say, I'm going to have a great afternoon. I'm going to have a great afternoon. Don't touch them, just look them. I'm going to have a great afternoon. There's an afternoon set for you if you don't give up. A, how, a job. Spouse. A family. There's an afternoon. If you don't give up, there's prayers and answers. Let me tell you, you are one prayer away from God answering you. Don't you dare give up. Don't you give up. Never give up on God. He's always going to come through. Always going to come through. And here we have Moses in chapter 3. 40 years. Oh, 40 years in the desert. That could hurt you, right? 40 years. 40 years in the desert. He goes into the desert as the prince of Egypt and he gets to the burning bush and God speaks from the bush. The angel of the Lord speaks from the bush and he says, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. He tells him, I've heard. I've seen. I hear the cry of my people and I'm about to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save them. You know, when God says he's doing it, he's doing it. How many know what I'm talking about? When God's, God's timetable is different than your timetable. God has a different clock than you and I have. His clock takes a whole lot longer than your clock and my clock. We want to drive up. We, we, want, to, we want to send our order in on the app, go to drive through and pick it up and make sure it's right and hot. How many know what I'm talking about? That's our, that's our clock. God's timetable and his clock is way different than our clock. Moses is at this burning bush, uh, and God remembers. He says, I've seen, I've heard, I know. I am going to deliver. Take off your sandals. And when, when the angel of the Lord, which, which is God himself, when he says, he says, I'm sending you, Moses. Moses is like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that you should send me? 40 years in the desert. He went into the desert a somebody and he came out a nobody. That's a great progression. He went in a somebody. 
and he came out somebody soft, pliable, moldable in the hands of God, so soft that he didn't even have an idea. He didn't think he could even do it. God said, but look, God said, I will deliver. God said, I will deliver. I'm going to use you, but I'm doing it. That's what God does. He says, I'm going to use you, but I'm going to do it. How many know all the miracles in the Bible and all the miracles today? God does all the miracles. We just show up. How many know what I'm talking about? You, you just got to show up. I forget who said it, but 80% of life is showing up. You just got to show up. Show up. Don't give up. Moses, who am I? And then, and then, uh, and then he says, well, who are you? He said, who am I? But, but what's your name? What's your name? And God says, I am. You tell them the great I am sent you. The great I am sent you. You tell them the great I am sent you. The great I, what does that mean? The great I, it means I am what you need me to be when you need me. I am whatever it is you need to be. That's who I am. That is our God. He's the great I am. He says, he says whatever it is you need, that's me. I will be that for you. I'm going to be that. That's who we serve. Now listen, if I gave you my name, hey, you can have my name. Go down to Starbucks and you tell them, Dave Munley has sent me. <laughs> You're laughing because you know what I'm going to say next. You're not going to get very far. You, 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 you go to Target, ladies. Go to Walmart. Go to any store. You tell them, Dave Munley sent me. He's going to pay for all this. They're going to say, who? 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 What? Credit? PayPal? Apple Pay? Moses is standing before that burning bush, the bush that doesn't burn. He says, I, I, who am I? Then he says, who are you? And God answers him. He says, I am what you need me to be when you call upon my name. Don't you forget that. I'm going to be known by this. My brothers and sisters in church today, he is still the great I am. And he is still calling people just humble themselves under the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and allow God to use them and develop them over a lifetime. Listen, God is here today and he's pleading with you. Don't you dare give up on yourself. If you think you've done too much, look at the life of Moses. If God can use Moses, he can use you. Amen? If God can use Moses, he can use me. If he can work through a vessel like that and develop him. It took him 80 years to get to this point to say, who am I? I'm lost. I have no sense. I have no money. I have no influence. I have no gold, no silver. I have no great, I have no castle. I don't have any teachers. I've got nothing. Why are you standing before me? Who am I? This morning, perhaps God has taken you down a road to develop you, 
to speak into your life and remind you of how he's placed his hand on your life so that you don't forget it's not you, it's his power and presence. God will deliver. God will come through. God will overpower. God will overcome. And he'll do it in you and through you. Because he's the great I am. He's always, always developing. He's always working. God had a plan to bring the people out of Egypt. And he always uses people. Always uses people. Who am I? Man, some of these life lessons in Moses' life, I'm just, I'm just telling you, I get one person committed to God. That's all we need. One person committed to God makes a difference. One decision makes it. You, you think your decisions don't matter? Your decisions matter. Your decisions matter. One decision matters. We see that in the life of Moses. We also see that false starts can never de derail the plans and purposes of God. Moses had a false start. Perhaps you've had a false start in life. I know I've made mistakes in life. I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still looking for God. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still hungry for the presence of God. I still want to move forward with God. I'm not going to give up on me. Come on, false start. Don't, that's the devil who kills, steals, and destroys. Don't you let that false start keep you from the plans and the purposes of God. Don't you do it? That's a lie. Either Jesus forgives sins or he doesn't. And he does. One day in the life of God can change everything. One day changes everything. God's mission, God's timing, God's resources. God, 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 you and I just show up. I'm just here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. You're not too old to be used by God, and you're not too young to be used by God. God's always developing his people. He's always building. He's always building his people to grow, to do, and to expand his kingdom. And one day, even though it may look like failure, let me tell you, it looked like failure in my life. It looked like failure. You're, you're going to do what? I was, I was 18 years old. You're going to, what? You're, you're going to be a minister? Monthly? You're going to be a minister? They used to call me the mad monk in high school. <clears throat> you're going to be a minister? You're going to be, yeah. How are you going to pay your bills? Let me tell you. I, it got to me. I, I, thought for, I thought for a little while, I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm saying yes to you, but I know I'm giving up on a good house, a pretty wife, a car. I'm giving up on all these things. That's what I thought. I said, if I said yes to Jesus, I couldn't, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get a pretty wife. God was going to give me a terrible looking old wife. I said, I'm like, oh, what do I know? I was 17. I couldn't get a good car. You know, I'd have to, you know, no house. I'd have no money. No this, no that. I, I want to tell you, it's not true. It's not true. It may look like failure, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you today, saying yes to Jesus and following after him with all your heart, that's the only way to live. It's the only way to live. The fire of God burned a bush, but the bush did not burn. And the fire of God was in Moses for him to live out the rest of his days. And what I'm telling you is this, live with the fire of God in your life. Keep saying yes to God. Moms and dads, your yes means so much 
to your children. Keep saying yes to God. Tell your children the story like somebody told Moses. Tell your children how you got saved. Tell your children about how God is in charge of your finances. Let me tell you, we would talk, my wife and I would talk with our kids and say, hey, this is what God's doing. Hey, this is how God's leading us. Hey, God is going to provide every step of the way, just like he gave us this job. He's going to give us this. He's going to provide this. We shared the testimonies of God with our kids. They saw firsthand God's sovereignty and his power in our life. It looked like failure, but it was success because it's in the eyes of the Lord. Let's stand today. Let's all stand in this auditorium. If you're watching online, I want you to stand right now. I want you to raise your hands to, towards heaven. I don't care if the curtains are drawn or wide open. If your neighbors think you're nuts, let them think you're nuts. you got something on the inside of you that is greater than anything on the outside of you. It's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It looks like surrender. Yeah, this is surrender. This is surrender. 2021, let's surrender again like Moses did. Surrender our lives anew and afresh. Live our lives as a living sacrifice unto you. Who knows what God would do? But I'll tell you this, one person committed to God makes a difference. One person committed to God makes a difference. One young person committed to God makes a difference. It was, it, was, it was a nobody, a nobody in the hills of Pennsylvania back in 1958 or 56. A nobody. This, this, this nobody preacher turned on the television and he saw these hoodlums uh, coming through the court system in New York City. And, he, and, and his heart broke. They were charged with crimes. And, and, and the court said, uh, and the judge asked, does anybody have anything uh, to say? Can anybody stand in for this person? Can anybody stand in for these gang members and this country preacher? This country preacher. He was broken. One person. And this country preacher went down from Pennsylvania to Manhattan, went into the courtroom with nothing but a Bible. And he stood and he said, I'll, I'll represent these kids. I'll represent these kids. No, I want to represent these kids. And that person was Dave Wilkerson. He was a nobody from nowhere in Pennsylvania, but he had the call and the passion of God on his life, and he stood for somebody. He believed in somebody when they didn't deserve it. And he started a ministry called Teen Challenge. Dylan Allen was here last week. Dylan Allen was here last week saying, I'm, I'm working for Teen Challenge. I graduated Teen Challenge. It's an alcohol and drug rehabilitation center. They're in every state in the United States. They're in 170 countries. Why? Because one person can make a difference. One person committed can make a difference. It looks like failure. David Wilkerson was arrested, by the way. He was arrested for that. It looked like failure. He looked like a crazy wackadoo from Pennsylvania. But he had a picture of him holding a Bible on the front page of New York City uh, newspapers. And, they, and, and, and he went and he finally saw the gang members and they said, you know what, you're, you're one of us. You're one of us. 
and God did something. I'm, I'm here today, and I, I'm, I'm just here today to say, let's get committed. Let's see God do it in our lives. Let's see him do it. If Moses can do it, you can do it. The Bible says, remember your leaders. Consider the outcome of the way that, the, consider the outcome of their lives and imitate their ways. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is developing people today, just like he developed Moses years ago. He's going to develop you. Don't give up on yourself. Maybe you're at home, and maybe you're here, and you just got to recommit yourself or say, it's time for me to be all in with Jesus. I, I've got I've to say yes to Jesus. If that's in your heart, and you're online, Send, send an email to office at lowellag.org. We'll follow up with you. If you're here today, say, I, I've got to say yes to Jesus. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. i got to say yes to Jesus. i got to say yes. If you're here, you say, I, I've, got to be, I've got to be more. i got, I got to be all in like Moses did. I've got to be all in. Man, just raise your hand. Say, I've I got to be all in. There's, there's too much of me alive. There's too much of me alive. I still think I'm something. I still think I'm a somebody. Lord, you see every hand. You see every heart. You see every life. Lord, I've delivered what you've asked me to deliver. I've showed. I've preached. I've exhorted. Spirit of the living God, will you grab hold of each and every life here in this sanctuary and online compel us to follow you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Will you help us, oh God? Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us in our commitments. Lord, help us to get beyond our false starts. Help us to move past our failures. Lord, will you empower us to follow you, Lord Jesus? Help us, oh God, to fill, fulfill the commitments that you've placed inside of us to fulfill the dreams that you placed inside of us, your dreams, your way, your passion that you have, oh God. Help us to do it. You're going to do it with us, oh God. You're going to do it for us. Help us, oh God. Help us not to give up on ourselves. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses. Forgive us, Lord, of short-sightedness. Forgive us for playing the short game when you're playing the long game developing us over a lifetime. Help us to have your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 God's going to do it. Amen. If, if you've rededicated yourself or if you've, if you've uh, said yes to Jesus for the first time, I'd love to talk with you six feet apart, of course. Also, the pastors of this church would love to hear from you. You can just send an email to office at lowellag.org. They'd love to hear you, and they will follow up with you. This is a caring, loving church. God bless you.